Amen. 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 Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning, Lord. We know you're here in the person of your spirit. And we want to hear what you have to say to us today. Through your word as we teach it. Not what I have to say, but what you have to say. Speak to each of our hearts, Lord, loud and clear. Through your Holy Spirit. Let us learn. Let us apply what it is that he tells us to our lives. And we can become the men, the women, the children of God that you, you want us to be. Lord, today, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, open up all our senses that we might be able to see, feel, taste, touch, and smell you, Lord. Speaking of smell, Lord, I pray that our praise and, and prayers arise before you as a sweet-smelling aroma before your throne because we come in the name of your son Jesus who gave it all for us who didn't have to but did it willingly in obedience to you the father and we thank you Lord Jesus for redeeming us saving us justifying us reconciling us to the father through your blood. And we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to help us in this world proclaim the gospel, to give us the courage to say yes to Jesus, to be able to speak it out loud and clear because the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. Lord, today we pray that the message goes out loud and clear that many people desire to follow after your son, Jesus. Give them the courage to do so. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. You may be seated. For those of you online, we're glad you're tuned in. You're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You know, you're wondering, why do I have two Bibles? Well, believe me, it's the Word of God. The more I have, the better. You know, um, but, you know, two different versions, so I'm hoping to use both versions here this morning. This is the new King James, and this is the Christian Standard Version. So, anyway, for those online, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out where we're located. You know, you can find um, out what we're all about. You can... Um, Donate online. You can check out any of our messages from years past online also. So we're glad you're here. Um, for those of you that are local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida. And 33462 is the zip code. But we're only a quarter mile west of I-95 on, um, on High Paluxo Road, on the north side of the road. It's easy to get to, so if you're local... We have a Sunday morning service that you're watching now at 10 a.m. We have a Thursday night service at, at 7.15 p.m. We have a ladies' Bible study every second and fourth Friday um, on Friday nights at, at 7 p.m. too. We also have a men's Bible study every Saturday morning at uh, 9 a.m. So if you're local, come on by. 
and the Thursday and the Sunday service is recorded. So you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, anytime, and uh, you can um, listen to any sermon from. You can listen live as you are now, and you can listen um, from one's past. You can listen to this service a week from now or a year from now, hopefully. I'm hoping that we won't be here a year from now. I'm hoping not that I pass away and go into the grave. I pray that we won't be here because the trumpet sounds, and we're out of here. I can't wait for that day. Believe me. Believe me. I love this world, you know, not in the way that... A lot of people do. I love it because God created it, but I love the new kingdom that he He uh, placed me into, which is the heavenly kingdom, you know, when I was born again of the spirit of the living God. We're going to see some of that today as we tackle our, our message here in Acts chapter 27. For those of you online, you can give online. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org. For those of you here, we never take an offering. We believe that unless Christ built the church, then we just labor in vain, and he has been doing it. We're about almost 10 years old. We've been here in this location for almost seven and a half years, so we, we thank the Lord for that. They tried to throw us out. They tried to probably curse us out, but God says, no way. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against the church, and Freedom Church is part of the church of Christ, so praise the Lord. Um, let's see. That's about it. We hope you, if you're local, someday you'll stop in and uh, and see us and worship and praise the Lord with us. Listen, this is a two-part message. Last week I did not finish. As you, uh, if you were here or you were online, you know that I didn't finish the the uh, the service because uh, things just got really deep for a while, and. Um, the last, the message is anchors that hold. There's anchors in our lives that hold. And this is taken out of the four anchors that were thrown off the back of the ship when Paul was shipwrecked, you know, in, in the Mediterranean, or really the Adriatic Sea. Um, this message is, is the same as just part two, but I am going to review the anchors that we talked about. And um, I read last week, uh, verses 20 through 44 out of the uh, Christian Standard Version. But this week I'm going to read this passage out of the New King James Version. I just want to refresh us because when a week goes by, a lot of people don't even remember what we taught last week. And, and I can be included in that, believe me. You know, So you want to refresh our memory when we're in a two-part service. But I want you to know that if you didn't notice... About two years ago, over two years ago, I had a very similar message out of the same passage. And nobody seemed to catch it. You know why? But it's not. There's a lot deeper stuff in this, in this study because that's what I do. I deepen them up whenever I study the Word of God, try to dig deeper into the Scriptures. But nobody seemed to notice because a lot of our messages, you know, they come in our ear, they stick around for a little bit, but then after a while they go. That's why I have two Bibles up here. It's the Word of God that's going to stay in your mind. It's not my Word that's going to stay in your mind. I happen to believe the Word of God is infallible, as you well know. It's perfectly perfect. It was written by God through men. 
when we say, well, Jesus said this, um, and it's in red in our Bible, we think, well, that's really important. But the truth is, this whole Bible should be written in red because Jesus is the Word of God, and he, sh- he should, this, everything was from Jesus, even if Paul said it, or Matthew said it, or, or whoever, Peter said it, it's still the Word of God. That means it's, since Jesus is the Word of God, then, then he did say it. You understand that? So, here we're going to read um, Acts chapter 27. I'm going to start in the 20th verse, just because we're going to review a little bit of last week's message. Okay, New King James Version, verse 20, Acts 27. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They gave up. They were done. 276 sailors were done. They knew that they were doomed for destined for shipwreck, and they didn't know if they were going to survive because they were. there was no stars to guide them by day or by night. There was nothing. There was nothing there. They couldn't even tell where they are. They're just thrashing around in the Adriatic Sea. And they didn't know what to do, except we're going to see some of the things they do. They throw things overboard. They eat, you know, to get strength and different things. But verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For for there stood before me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all that sail with you. Wow. First of all, The sailors on the ship, probably most of them being unbelievers, Paul says, an angel stood before me. You know, a lot of people say an angel came to visit them, and a number of people don't, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. But you know what? They could have thought Paul was cuckoo. But you know what? God established this already because he told them don't sail from Crete. But they didn't listen to him. So now he's got their ear because they know that he, was, he warned them, and he brought it to their attention. I told you so. But here, look at The angel told him, don't be afraid, Paul, because you have to stand before Caesar. You know, I think of Jesus when people wanted to kill him, throw him off the cliff. They wanted to stone him. You know what? Jesus knew there was no way they were going to touch him because there was one specific way at one specific time that he was going to die, and that battle would be on Calvary, and it certainly wasn't his hometown where they wanted to throw him off the cliff. He had faith. This is faith talking. You know, Jesus had faith. He knew that he had to stand before Caiaphas and Annas and and, uh, Herod and, 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 and all the people in the Roman government before he was crucified. Six trials he went through in one night. Six trials. He was exhausted just like these men. Verse 25. Oh, because 
he's going to go to Caesar. Let's see here that because of, of Paul being with them, God's going to spare 276 passengers on this ship just because Paul's here. I've had people walk into this church and say, you know, um, we're losing business at the bar next door because there's a church beside us. I have news for you. You're blessed because the church is beside you. Don't get the world's theology in this. This, These people on this property that have a restaurant and bar, they're blessed because Freedom Church is on this property. It's proven right here and in other passages of Scripture. Verse 25, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told. Faith. If the Bible says it, it's true because it's the Word of God and Jesus is the way and He is the life. But in between that sandwich, He has a meat called, you know, I am the way and the meat of the sandwich is the, the truth and the life. Truth is the sandwich of uh, life and faith. Now, now, when the fourteenth night had come, as they were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, fourteen days, not two weeks, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. How did they sense that? It could have been smell. These were sailors. They knew. They knew they could tell by even the thrashing of the waves, probably, or the way the waves were breaking. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. That's 120 feet, by the way. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings and found it to be 15 fathoms, which is about 90 feet. They, they feared lest they should run aground on the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day. They dropped the four anchors from the stern, the back of the boat, to slow the boat down in case it did crash into the rock. And the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. In other words, they, they were pretending like they were going to put more anchors out from the front. Paul said to the centurion and to the, and to the soldiers, unless these men in the sh stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. You, in other words, hang around. Hang around the believer that's telling you all this stuff. Don't try to part. Don't be like Cain. It says that, you know, Cain says when God pronounced his judgment on Cain, he said, Cain said, my, my penalty is too hard to bear. But then in the 16th verse at Genesis chapter 4, we see that Cain goes out from the presence of the Lord. Boy, don't you dare go out from the presence of the Lord. That is the worst place you could ever be. And these men were being warned similar to that. You stay with the ship or I can't promise you your life. So they stayed with the ship. They cut the, they cut the, the skiff off. Paul said to the centurion, well, we did that verse, verse 32. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. Now they had faith or they were just obedient soldiers. And as, as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. 
in a way they're fasting. They probably couldn't eat because of this was a this was a, a great storm, it says in, in verse twenty or twenty-one. This is like a cat five hurricane that you might th- see, you know, around Florida here. It was 157 mile an hour winds and it was just tearing this boat apart. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair of your hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave it to them and thanked God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broke it, he began to eat. Listen, you realize what Paul's doing here? He's almost, he's telling these guys, you're going to take some communion with me. You're going to remember the Lord who I'm talking about, the one who came and died and is buried and told us. Some of these men had to hear about Jesus at this time. It's already said in the book of Acts that the gospel went throughout the world. I know some of you don't want to believe that, but that's what it says in the book of Acts. In that day, the gospel was already preached in all the world. And obviously, it wasn't received by many people. So he's offering, they're really taking communion at this point. And thinking, of course, Paul was thinking uh, of the, the Passover. And a lot of these sailors might have been Jewish. And a lot of them, or not, they may be the prisoners, not so much the, the soldiers, because they were most likely Roman. They were all encouraged by this prayer and by taking bread, okay? They were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on ship, all because Paul had to stand before Rome. God is going to save 275 other soldiers and prisoners and crew members. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. Verse 40, and they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudders on the ropes around the rudders, they hoisted the main sail and the wind and made for shore. By striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground at the bow struck and the bow struck fast and remained immovable there's a message in that for us as we move on but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves listen the the bow stuck fast it's immovable i always think of first corinthians 15 58 be steadfast christian be unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing your toil is not in vain in the lord paul knows his toil is not in vain these soldiers probably don't we need to, once you ran your bow into the ground, into the, the solid ground that holds you immovable, Jesus Christ, you need to stay there. You don't go anywhere. You remain immovable. The foundation that was planted in your life, Christian, you need to stick by. Don't worry about he speaks in tongues and I don't. Worry about, how about this? He, he came, he died, he was buried. He is risen the third day according to the scripture. That's your solid foundation. You know, I ran the boat 
the bow into the sandbar where the two seas met, and they remained immovable in the stern. The back of the boat was being broken up by the violence of the waves. This wasn't a small ship. This was an Alexandrian ship. It was a food ship that carried food and, and cargo back and forth. The soldiers were planning to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanted to save Paul. Look at the special care God's giving Paul. He had to stand before Caesar. Paul knew it. Paul knew he had to stand before Caesar. I'm sure he was somewhat worried being on this ship because anything could happen, but he knew he was going to stand. One way or the other, he was going to stand before Caesar. One way or the other, Jesus Christ was going to go to the cross. There was no stopping it. There was no stopping it. And the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanted to save, wanted to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those, could, those who could swim should jump overboard, because they saw the land, and get to land. The rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped to safety. Pay attention to they escaped on the boards and the broken parts of the ship. The boards were, the boat was being thrown around, crashed, and it was being destroyed by the waves, and all the planks of the ship were floating in the ocean, and he told them, if you can't swim, grab onto those parts of the ship. Uh, uh, wood, wood, and I'm going to show you something as we move along. So that's the passage that we're at. Uh, last week, I showed you that the, the anchors, here's what it says in verse 20, 20 of verse, Acts 27. Neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was lost. And verse 29, fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast their four anchors from the stern of the back of the boat and witched for daylight. Anchor number one had to be cut loose. And what anchor number one should mean to us is you, as a new believer, need to forget what was laying behind and press on to the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back and say, that's the way I used to be. If you do look back, you do it as a testimony to win people to Christ. Boy, if you didn't listen to Charles Stanley this morning, you've got to listen to him. I love Charles Stanley. I'll tell you what. I watched his congregation. And every time they showed the congregation, which was packed, everybody had a Bible. Everybody had a notepad with a pen. And he's preaching some basic stuff. Redemption, salvation, justification, went through it real quick. And, and, and he said, you know, you're, you're responsible for this. You're responsible to take the gospel to other places. And we know Paul gave his testimony about five or six times in the book of Acts or, or through his, his writings. Your testimony is all you need. You were once a sinner, and now you're saved. We're going to be getting into that. But anchor number one, you need to cut away. You need to cut away that anchor and forget what lays behind and press on. Here's what Paul says. I'm going to read. I'm going to read the Philippians chapter 3. 
verses 12 through 14. Here's Paul talking. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. You know you're not perfect, right? We're all sinners. We fall short of the glory. Paul's admitting that. And I am, or, no, I am or already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have already taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I reach forward to that which is ahead. I pursue or press on to my goal, prize, promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, I'm forgetting what I used to be. I stoned Stephen. I was in charge of that. They laid their their jackets, their clothing down at my feet. I'm going to forget what's laying behind, but I'm going to use it to let you know the mercies and the grace of God, that he can even forgive a murderer. I'm going to press on. I'm going to forget my former life. You're no longer, uh, uh, if you've accepted Christ and received Jesus as your Savior, you are no longer the same person you were the minute before you prayed that prayer, if you prayed it with all of your heart. Notice that if, it's very important. Your heart. God could care less what you look like on the outside. He cares about the beauty on the inside. The heart. Your heart is what he's looking for. David did horrible things, but yet he had a heart after God. How can that be? Because he was a sinner, and he knew he was a sinner. When he was confronted by his sin, he immediately repented. He didn't say, oh, but, 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 I, you know, no. He immediately repented. That's a heart after God. He's reaching forth. There is hope for you that just came out of your former life. There is hope. Your past has been forgiven. You have a new hope, a new future, because you're going to be a new creation, or you are a new creation if you've already received Christ. See, storms in your life, are inevitable, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. They're, they're inevitable. Storms do many things, and we already studied on that in Matthew chapter 8, uh, Sunday before Sunday before Christmas, or Sunday or two before Christmas. Storms are for God's glory. It says in Revelation 12, 11, and you know this first, they overcame the devil through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. They were willing to die for this testimony. And when we say, people say, well, that's just writings of a book. Every one of the apostles died for Jesus Christ. They don't die. Men don't die for a lie. Except Paul. But he was, he was to be, he was martyred. He just didn't die because God kept him alive in that burning oil so that he could write revelation for us. Storms are for direction. Listen, Paul had direction in this. He was going to stand before Caesar. He knew that he was going to stand before Caesar, 
But God had another plan. You know, man stands his way. Proverbs 16, 9, I believe it is. Man plans his ways, but God directs his path. Paul was going to, to Rome. He thought that was it, one-way ticket to Rome. And anyway, they had to stop in Malta. The storm came up. God said, hey, I wish that none would perish and all would come to repentance, so I'm going to send Paul to Malta before I send him to Rome. So God, you know, God can change the direction, and he did change the direction. An angel stood before Paul. And he said, you will stand before Caesar, just as God said, really. And he's granted everyone on this ship with you. But also, you know, the angel didn't say it, but Paul was going to win an island over to Christ. An island of Christ. Obviously, these people didn't never heard about Jesus. So they stormbrook. They didn't recognize the land, but when they got there, they found out the natives were really friendly. And they fed them and took care of them. And it was for direction. And also there's a storm of correction. God was going to take these natives that thought that, hey, that viper that bit Paul, Paul's certainly going to die. They were so superstitious. Paul's certainly going to die, but Paul didn't die. Then all of a sudden they say, this man must be from God. So they listened to what Paul had to say. And he corrected the island of Malta on their superstition. And he told them about the crucified Christ. And even Publius, who was the leader, one of the leaders of the island, he led Publius to Christ and healed him. And then he brought other people to him, and he healed those people. See, the, God had to make sure that this island heard about Jesus. And it did. He threw a storm that directed Paul into a direction he didn't want to go, but God had a direction for him. And he corrected the island. And now if you went to Malta, you will find out that there are religious temples and, and churches all over the island of Malta. Because they listened. I think they might have drifted away. I hope not. But, you know, you never know. There's storms of opportunity. This was opportunity for Paul to witness the the gospel of Christ. And when that viper latched onto him, uh, you know, Paul probably knew it was a viper. And Paul probably said, I don't care. I'm going to preach the gospel. He just shook it off into the fire and preached the gospel to these people because that was what he was called to do. By the way, do you know you're called to do that? Hmm? Storms of protection. God protected Paul in it. And storms of perfection. That's just some of the storms that we went through, you know, not too long ago. So the first anchor we studied last week was forget what lies behind and press on. Anchor number two, once you do forget what lies behind and press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, you have a new future. You have been given a new future. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and before God, who's granted you all those are sailing with you, but we must run aground on a certain island. Listen, you may hit, your, hit the rocks in your life, but you will be spared. Listen, storms are inevitable. They struck a sandbar. The bow stuck fast. I went over that as we were talking. You know, bow stuck fast, and the back began to break up. God was supplying their need 
floating wood so that they could get to shore for those that didn't that, that, that didn't weren't able to swim. The bow was immovable. I'm telling you, in your new future, you need to be immovable. Somebody tells you that Jesus Jesus isn't isn't the Son of God, you need to be immovable, stable. You gotta believe with all of your heart. You know that he is God. Somebody comes up to you on the beach and says he's the Messiah. Let me baptize you in the Atlantic Ocean. You should say, absolutely not. Because Jesus said there will be false prophets that come. You know how you know these things? You read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. And you have to study it. Somebody says that to me, I'm going to preach the gospel. How can you be the Messiah when Jesus already came? Well, hey, let me, let me see your hands. Any scars in there? No. It remained unmovable. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. One of the first verses I ever memorized. Be steadfast, Joe. Your family's going to come against you. Immovable, Joe. Keep abounding in the, well, in the word of the Lord. Keep out of the alcohol and drugs that you were into before. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Everything you do, you're talking about Jesus. You would be lost and die in your sins if it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross for you. You should be ex exalted, I mean, exalting Christ every day of our life. Because we know, we don't even know if we're going to make it through the day here today. But you know that you're going to make it to heaven because you have a set future. You're holding fast onto the gospel of Christ. You're holding on to Jesus. And Jesus said that if you, if you plant your bow steadfast into solid ground, the rain can come, the winds can blow, you know, a hurricane, a tempest, of a Cat 5 hurricane could come, and you ain't going anywhere because you're founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. Somebody puts a gun to your head, not most likely in America, and they say, denounce Jesus, you're going to say no because the Holy Spirit is going to take over. I will not deny my Lord and my Savior. Paul's in this storm of direction. God wants the island of Malta or people on Malta to hear the gospel and to be saved. See, God has a plan for Paul. He was going to stand before Caesar. God had a plan for Jesus. He was going to go to Calvary. And he was going to rise the third day. God has a plan for you. And you know that verse. As people use it, there's probably uh, a thousand, ten thousand preachers preached on Jeremiah 29:11 lately, which says, "I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope." God has a plan for your life. Believe me, 44 years ago, I never thought I'd be a preacher. <laughs> you know, never. I didn't even enter my mind. Did I love the Word of God? Absolutely. I never thought I was going to be a preacher. You have a new future because you were born again. Well, let me just explain Nicodemus, and you know I've said it a lot, and it's important because a lot of people think that they don't have to be born again and they're going to get to heaven. Nicodemus said, hey, I know, Jesus, that you're from God. You wouldn't be able to heal the sick, lay hands on the dead, and they can awake. 
Uh, you wouldn't be able to cast out demons. You wouldn't be able to cure leprosy. You wouldn't be able to, to you know, raise up a blind person that was born blind and he could see. I know you're from God because God, God would not use you if you were a liar. And Jesus said, you must be. He didn't say maybe, you should be. You must be born again. Paul, uh, Nicodemus said, hey, hey, born again. I can't enter into my mother's womb. He's mostly old at this time, Nicodemus. He was the leader or the teacher in Israel, according to Jesus. His mother was probably dead. How can I enter back into my mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus, you're the teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? That which is born of flesh is flesh, Nicodemus. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Listen, I walked in the flesh for 27 years. I'm walking in the spirit for 44 plus years now. Okay? I was born of the flesh, but I also am born of the spirit. So now I can enter the kingdom of God because the spirit is holy. I did that metamorphosis change I talked about last week where the, the caterpillar crawls into a cocoon and comes out a beautiful butterfly after his struggle. And after you struggle through this earth, like Paul said to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, I believe, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. Listen, you're going to have some hardships. Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but he overcame the world. How did he do that? Through the Spirit. How are you going to overcome the world? Through the Spirit of God that lives in you. In the Psalms 37, 7 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and do not fret. Wait on the Lord. You're a new creation, church. So anchor number one, forget what lies behind. Cut it off. Forget about it. You have a new future. Forget off. Cut off that anchor. You're, fu you're a new future now. You do no longer have that. You are not that person that you were a minute before you prayed the sinner's prayer with, if you prayed, again, that if, with all your heart. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Anchor number three, you are a new cre creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you're a new creature. The old things are cut off. That anchor's cut off, and all things have become new. You cast off the anchors, and they left them in the sea. See, you've been given a new heart. Cast it off. Cast off the old heart. Cut it off. Leave it in the sea. That's where it belongs. You have a new spirit now. It's called the Holy Spirit. See, you're a body. You know from First Thessalonians, I thank the, uh, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. You are a triune being. You have a spirit. And your spirit, when you prayed that prayer, you became a spiritual person because your spirit agreed with the Holy Spirit that came along with with you, with your salvation, and now you're saved. Your Holy Spirit, a whole new spirit is in you. So it's time to cast off that old 
spirit, that old heart, that old flesh. Cast off the old and put old and put on the new. You are now an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. You no longer belong to this world. You are now a representative from heaven in a foreign land. And you are to share the gospel. Boy, Charles Stanley really challenged his church on this one this morning. He challenged his church to go out and preach the gospel. It was beautiful the way he did it. Here's what Ezekiel says. I'm going to read Ezekiel chapter 36. And we're going to start at the 25th verse and read to the 26th. I will also sprinkle clean water on you. This is God talking. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and clearly observe my ordinances. See, God's been talking about this day that we live in back in Ezekiel's day. Jesus showed up on the scene on the last day of the feast. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, he said, If any of you are thirsty, he said very loudly, because at that last day of the feast, they used to walk around, they used to take the pitchers, dip it in the pool of Siloam, take it back to the altar, and pour it around the altar. And Jesus is there, you know, speaking with a loud voice. He says, if any of you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink, identifying himself as the well of salvation. For from your belly will flow rivers of living water. Actually, some manuscripts say the, the, from your belly will, f will flow the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's in you. You got saved. You are now a new creature. You're not the same person. If you got saved 10 years ago and you look like the same person you were 10 years ago now, you better check and see if you were born again. It's important. You will not make the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Those are the words of Jesus, and they are in red. And you know what really, what really stumps, gets me on that is he didn't say, he said, you won't even be able to see it. You won't be able to see it. You'll be in that utter darkness that that's talks about in the pit. He says, I'll give you a new heart. From your new heart, it's going to flow rivers of living water. You're going to now speak life instead of death, blessing instead of curses. You're now going to be the head and not the tail because the world's the tail. You're the head. You're, you're, you're reigning with Christ whether you know it or not. He's going to remove your heart of stone. Boy, believe me, I know people that had hearts of stones, and I was one of them. But thank God. God brought me out of that mess. I, I'm glad I'm not that same person. I cut away that anchor long, long time ago. John 16, verse 8, Jesus said, I put a new spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. 
John 16:8 says this, and when he comes, he will reprove the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness and judgment of sin because they did not believe in me. That's the deadliest sin of all, not believing in Christ. That's why people are condemned because they did not believe in the only begotten Son of God that shed his blood on Calvary. They could care less about the holy blood that flows off of that cross. They could care less. That's the sin that will send you straight to the pit, straight to hell, unbelief in Jesus. Don't, don't blame me. Jesus said that. John 8, chapter, John 8, chapter 24. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. I am being the name of God. Unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. And of course, you know other verses. There is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. God will put a spirit in you, that, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and he will dwell in you, and he will cause you to be convicted concerning your sin concerning righteousness and concerning the devil. He will put a new spirit within you. You will follow him from now on. Do you ever notice that every time you want to sin, the Holy Spirit says no? Then you go and do it anyhow, and then you're heartbroken? That's the Holy Spirit in you. But you believe. And then... Paul tells us the Galatian church, he says, let us not lose heart in doing what is right. For after a while, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Don't give up, church. Don't give up. These times that we're in right now are challenging times. We cannot give up. The Word of God's still true, whether COVID or any other disease or sicknesses out there. The Word of God is still true. And God is still real. That new spirit is Christ's spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And he will raise you on the last day, just like he raised Jesus, according to Romans 8 and 11. Ezekiel was told to, to, in chapter 37 to, to go to the valley of dry bones and walk through the bones. There's a lot of you people out there that are dead. Your, your bones are scorched in the wind. But God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel goes, I don't know, Lord. You know. And he blows, the, he blows on them and they come to life. A mighty army. Listen, two mighty armies. One was warring against the other. You notice when Jesus, when God raised these, this, these soldiers up, they were one army now because they believed in, in the God who raised them. They were a mighty anger. They no army. They no longer warred against one another. They know they they were no longer warring against God. Now this army, you, the church of God, shall be warring against the world, the flesh, and the devil. No longer loving this world because you've been called out of this world. We were once uh, we once warred against God being atheists and agnostics and heathens and skeptics and unbelievers. The worst sin of all, as far as I'm concerned, because it will send you to hell, as I mentioned. 
You're a new creature. Paul even tells the Roman church, I beseech you, brethren, as the, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and a holy sacrifice presentable before God. Anchor number four. You have a new heavenly inheritance and a new land. You too, just like these soldiers and sailors and, and prisoners, they have a new land. They were brought to safety in a new land, hanging on to floating wood. I can't say what Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to, because I know I'm a sinner. You must hang on to floating wood. The wood is the cross, as you well know. I mentioned it last week. There's two camps. One camp are those who cling to the wooden cross. The other ones are those who will not cling to the cross. And I'm going to tell you what. If these soldiers, sailors, and prisoners did not cling to the wood, they would have drowned in the sea because it was throwing and tearing a boat apart. Imagine what it could do to them. That wave could knock them 25 feet in the air and send them into uh, a rock or something on the other side. The Old Testament shadows the New Testament. The Old Testament, there's shadows in the Old Testament of the New Testament. I'm here to tell you that in Exodus, I'm going to read Exodus chapter um, 2015. I'm not going to be much longer. Exodus 15 through 12, 17. Moses is out of, the, out of Egypt, and here they are. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur and journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That is why it is named Marah which means bitter. The people grumbled to Moses, what are we going to drink? So he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water. The waters became sweet. You know what that tree was representing? The tree that Christ was crucified. Cursed is everyone that dies on a tree, is hung on a tree. That tree represents the wood of the cross. These people would have died in the wilderness of, self, of, of uh, thirst. But they didn't because the wood of the cross changed those bitter waters sweet. You also know uh, Kings, uh, 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse through 5 and 6 and 7. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Oh, my master, I will. it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place the man cut of God, cut a piece, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and made the iron float. Then he said, Pick it up. So he reached out and took it. Listen. If you don't grab on to that cross, that wood that's floating in this world, you will surely die. You will die in your sins without the blood 
of Christ on the cross cleansing you from all your sin. Bitter waters can be turned sweet in Christ Jesus. Yes, in the world you will have tribulation, but Jesus has overcome the world. And how did he overcome the world? Not by a conquering army, by your heart. The fight is within yourself. You can have peace and joy through him. The axe head floated because God wants all to be saved. How many people here know that an axe head will float? You know how it floated? The wood of the cross. That cross. You know what? If you want to float from the devil's kingdom to God's kingdom, now's the time to do it. Right here, right now. Because the now is an acceptable time. That verse in 2 Corinthians 6 2 goes on further. It first starts out, and the time you needed me and prayed to me, I'm going to paraphrase it, and the time you needed me and prayed to me, I answered you. Now it's time for you to answer me. Now's the day of salvation. For all you over the internet, if you aren't born again, now's your day of salvation. You can cut away these four anchors that hold you back, and you can press on towards the upward call of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You've got to do it with all your heart. As I said earlier, Romans 10.9, if you confess with these mouth, this mouth, Jesus is Lord, tell everybody. You know what Stanley said this morning? Who's the first person you should tell about Jesus once you're saved? He said, your family. And I believe that. That's the first person I went to. <laughs> Your family, don't be ashamed. It's, you, if you're ashamed, you lose the power of the Holy Spirit. Go out into the world. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It isn't raising your hand in church to say, I believe. It's saying, I believe, and you walk out of this church changed. You're not the same person you were when you came in because you cut off the anchor of your past. You became a new creature, and now you have a new future, and you became a new creation of God. And now you're not a representative of earth. You're a representative of heaven on earth where you can preach the gospel to a dying world. And you know the world's in big trouble right now. What do we expect as a nation, the Christian, so-called Christian nation of America? Why, why are we going to go through this? Because, you know, we shut God out of everything. You say, why, why are there shootings at school? People are getting killed. Why? Because why didn't God help? Why? You shut them out. You took them out of school. Why are all these babies killed? Because you allowed abortion. That's nothing but the spirit of Molech from the Old Testament, where they sacrificed their children in, in the name of a false god. Now they're doing it for their convenience. What, is, what do we expect in America? A lot of people are waiting for revival, but the Bible says that, that really, What can I say? Judgment's going to come first. 
And it's first going to start at the house of God, according to the word of God. It's time for the Christians to get out of their pews, wake up, and get active for the gospel of Christ. I look around the church. We have more than 12 people here today. I didn't count, but I know we do, okay? God turned the world upside with 12 disciples, including Paul. Listen, he can turn Boynton Beach up or Lantana with us from Freedom Church. I'm praying for our bar next door that the people that go over there will, when they get their dinner, they'll begin to pray over their food and over their drink, remembering, because there's a church on this property, and they will remember the prayer of their childhood, maybe, where they where they ate the bread and drank the little cup in remembrance of the Lord. I don't pray that they fail. I pray that they're blessed. And maybe people come in here and maybe get saved. They can be a new creation like you and me. So cut away those anchors. Remember, forget what lies behind. Press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You have a new future on this earth and in heaven. You are a new creation, and you have an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for the depth of your word. Father God, there's so much more in the passage that I just taught, that, and we'd be here for six hours. But Lord, take what we have learned today and impress it in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls that we would become the men, the women, the children of God that you want us to be. And let us have the courage to do so. Those that don't know him, there's those two camps. Those that will cling to the wooden cross and those that will not cling. And they will die in the sea of despair. In Jesus' name, Father, open their hearts to receive with courage. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.